Today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15 is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving with their Lawnmower 3.0 personal trimmer. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. And their Lawnmower 3.0 is a waterproof cordless body trimmer that makes it safe and easy. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new replacement blade refill for your trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. We suddenly have an enticing second base option to consider, and a mid-round pitcher is providing a max return. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. I have not had uh, three go-throughs yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, August 26th. I'm Al Melkier, and I'm here with Derek Van Riper and DVR. We have the season's first no-hitter, Lucas Giolito, uh, looking every bit as good as he did last season, maybe better on this particular night against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, did you happen to catch any of that? Uh, was uh, I, I will admit I just caught the last inning, but uh, it was pretty exciting. I was watching the Brewers-Reds matchup and heard about it in, I think it was the ninth inning is when they were talking about it on the Brewers feed. So I didn't flip over. Brewers were playing a nice close game and you know, hats off to Lucas Giolito who isn't on any of my teams this season. He was a guy that at the price I was staying away from. I wasn't convinced that the walk rate improvements we saw last year were necessarily here to stay. And I look very wrong, especially on this day. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and it has been noted that, uh, you know, he certainly got one of the better matchups uh, to do this. But, you know, other pitchers have faced the Pirates this year. He's the first one to come away with a no hitter and was having a pretty good year even before that. So um, and I do have him on my new team and it almost made me completely forget about starting starting Tyler Chatwood. So um, so I had that going for me. And uh, we will talk a little bit about Tyler Chatwood later on. We're also going to talk about uh, another pitcher from Harvard Westlake High School in Los Angeles. Um, There's actually a few really good pitchers from there besides uh, Lucas Giolito. So we'll get to all that, but uh, let's get right to the news here, DVR. Ronald Acuna Jr. and Aaron Judge were both supposed to make their returns from the injured list on Tuesday night, but the Braves and Yankees, uh, that game was postponed due to weather, so uh, that will get pushed uh, presumably to Wednesday. But also in some Braves news, uh, Nick Markakis was activated from the COVID-19 injured list, and Christian Pache, a very quick stay in Atlanta. He uh, goes back to the alternate site. So a couple of big players coming back uh, and uh, two players coming back for the for uh, for Atlanta. So 
what's the fallout here? Let's start with the Yankees first, because I think that's actually the more uh, impactful fallout. Uh, this is probably not good for at least one of uh, Mike Tockman and Clint Frazier. Do you think it's going to impact maybe one of them more than the other? Yeah, I mean, I think it probably hurts Tockman a little bit more. I think Tockman being a big side platoon player has more to lose, whereas Frazier, I mean, he does play against some righties. I, I just think they want to keep Frazier out of the outfield anyway. So you see him kind of occasionally DHing, occasionally playing right field. But he started, looks like, eight consecutive games uh, before this Tuesday matchup. So, man, they're, they're both going to lose something. I, I just wonder what the cutoff's going to be in terms of league type to hold on to Frazier and Talkman with Judge back in the fold, right? I mean, you're not going to give Aaron Judge that many days off. I think Talkman at least has the advantage of being able to play center field if needed. Frazier's not going to do that. So defensively, you do have to consider how these guys fit into the puzzle that way. But Talkman's been playing less than Frazier in that same span. So I think it hurts Talkman a little bit more and probably bumps him off the roster at least up to 12-team leagues, but maybe back to 15-team leagues yet again now that they're getting healthier. Yeah, and I think there's another consideration, too, that while Talkman is hitting for average and stealing some bases, he has one of the lowest hard hit rates in the majors. And so even if he does continue to get more playing time than maybe we fear uh, the the worst-case scenario being, he just might not produce enough to merit a roster spot outside of some pretty deep leagues. So something to consider there. And then in Atlanta, um, I would assume that Ender Inciarte probably is the odd outfielder out there. Do you see any other impacts? Yeah, we saw, I think, Adam Duvall was in the starting lineup for the Braves before that game ended up getting postponed, and that was against Garrett Cole. So they were going to go Duvall righty-righty against one of the absolute best pitchers in the game, which does not bode well for Ender Inciarte at all. Uh, I think he's going to basically play the fourth outfielder role from this point forward defensive replacement in the late innings occasional starter but he has really fallen off at the plate it's strange that Christian Pache is not just going to handle that role because you could probably argue that Pache is a better defender at this stage of their respective careers being quite a bit younger than Inciarte and I do wonder if once we get to the trade deadline at the beginning of next week if Ender Inciarte might be playing somewhere else I mean I think he's nearing the end of his contract he's not that expensive It just seems like the Braves with Pache and Drew Waters available don't really need a guy who's not hitting and not playing elite level defense anymore. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. Um, And uh, Cleveland, they've got some decisions to make as well with the deadline coming up and sort of a curious move. bringing Mike Clevenger back, bringing him up from the alternate site to be their uh, scheduled starter on Wednesday against the Twins. But no Zach Plezak, uh, team president Chris Antonetti, told Plezak that there are no opportunities on the major league roster at this point, that according to MLB.com's Mandy Bell. So, you know, we can interpret that all sorts of ways, but, you know, without further information, we can't really know what's going on. It sure looks like um, a showcase start for Clevenger, though. Do you see this differently? It could be that, or it could just be that they're playing the better of the two guys, giving Tristan McKenzie some run in Plezak's place. I mean, you could certainly make an argument that if Tristan McKenzie had pitched in 2019, he would have received a call-up before Plezak had that opportunity. Because if you look at prospect lists from the last couple of years, McKenzie was the more highly regarded prospect. So 
even though Zach Plesak was pitching very well before breaking curfew in Chicago, you know, you look at this situation, you say they do actually have a viable alternative to at least fill one of those spots, but they really didn't have viable alternatives to fill both of those spots. The drop from Mike Clevenger to Adam Plutko is massive. So it could be a showcase start. It could be forgiveness. It could just be Cleveland saying, you know, he served his time at the alternate site. This is our best possible rotation and we're ready to start moving forward. And maybe internally there's more going on. There always could be. We only know part of the story, of course, and uh, how Zach Plesak will eventually be received in that clubhouse. If he's brought back up, I think is a, a fair question to ask, but he could also be on the move. He could be a, a very controllable starting pitcher who actually gets dealt in the next few days. And I think it would give Cleveland a chance to address some other areas of need in this roster. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's uh, certainly something that they can afford to do, to trade one or possibly two of their starters to shore up an offense that really needs to be reinforced. Uh, and they, they've got the pitching depth to do that. Uh, we've got a few uh, Mets notes. Uh, Seth Lugo begins his tenure uh, in the rotation, getting the start against the Marlins uh, in the second game of the Tuesday night doubleheader. Uh, Marlins prevailing in the first game. Uh, Mets also placing Andres Jimenez and Tomas Nito on the IL with um, uh, undisclosed uh, conditions, so not known uh, exactly what the situation is there. And uh, perhaps the most curious move by the Mets on Tuesday is moving Jeff McNeil down in the order. He batted eighth in the first game of the doubleheader, and um, actually I put here in the notes sixth. I'm not sure that that's right, but I'm just going to double check on that. But getting moved down in the order and McNeil just, you know, miles and miles away from where he was in 2019, had not hit a home run going into the doubleheader. Uh, What are we to do, uh, particularly with him moving down in the order if we have him on our rosters? I think in most leagues, he's still a hold in part because he qualifies usually at three different positions, if not four. And I think with McNeil, I mean, there's definitely some concerns about the quality of the contact that he's making. His strikeout rate is up just a tick from where it was last year, but his average exit velocity is down almost two and a half miles per hour. So uh, a lot less hard contact. I think even with that shift, XBA sitting at 304, actual batting average at 271, still getting on base at a 349 clip. He's still a good player. It's just going to lead to some questions about how sustainable last year's power output really was. Now, I know Eno Saris had a piece about the changing baseball. It's not flying quite the same way as it did a year ago. We do have to wonder if a guy like Jeff McNeil was one of the biggest power surgers as a result of the ball. Because hitting for power is not really his calling card. So it kind of checks out in terms of a narrative and the underlying numbers point to the power output legitimately being down. I think I was looking at the max exit velocity leaderboard and he was in the bottom 10 among qualified hitters in that regard as well. So it's not like he's occasionally roping a ball 110 plus like he just has not squared up a ball and and really hit one hard all season. So I think we're looking at 2019 as probably the power ceiling for Jeff McNeil, at least based on the way this season has started for him. Yeah, no, the average uh, exit velocity is down. The hard hit rate is down. He's not pulling the ball 
as much either. So um, all kinds of things that are conspiring against him having anything close to the power that he had in 2019. He did bat sixth in that second game, by the way. And also uh, noting that very encouraging start for Lugo. Uh, three innings of no-hit uh, shutout ball, uh, five strikeouts. Uh, so really nice outing for uh, Seth Lugo. And Trevor Rogers making his major league debut Um Almost matches him in terms of he has four uh, shutout innings with just one hit, but he walked five batters. So that's uh, a little concerning for Trevor Rogers. Uh, some raise notes. Willie Adamas going the opposite direction from Jeff McNeil, going up to the cleanup spot against the Orioles. Of course, this was against the lefty uh, Tommy Malone. So who's to say that that will necessarily be an everyday occurrence for Willie Adamas, but uh, widely available. Um, very high in terms of the hard hit rate rankings, uh, almost top 10%. So uh, definitely somebody to look for on your waiver wire. Uh, bad news for Jalen Beeks, though. He was uh, in that game against the Orioles for a two-inning save, made it through the eighth, and then was pulled in the ninth uh, with with what appears to be a UCL injury. Um, I don't think we have a whole lot of information on that. You know, hopefully it's not as bad as it may appear to be with uh, with Beaks. Also, some bad news for Jacoby Jones. He left the Tigers game against the Cubs with the tight right calf. Uh, have, don't have any further information on that. Uh, so we've got some pitching uh, performances to look into aside from the Lucas Giolito uh, no-hitter. Uh, we just first have this quick message from one of our sponsors. All right, DVR. Well, uh, I was all prepared to talk about the matchup between Julio Arias and Johnny Cueto, who are two of the leading pitchers in terms of the lowest hard hit rate. In fact, Arias is is going into this start against the uh, Giants, was the very lowest among any pitcher with at least 50 batted balls allowed. (laughs) Neither pitcher fared very well, so I'm not sure what that says about... uh, that stat or um, about either pitcher in particular. Although I did find it interesting to see Johnny Cueto listed as a potential trade target. I think he loses a lot of value if he pitches anywhere other than San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, I think he's very park dependent at this stage of his career. And I don't know, Cueto's one of those guys that he's probably a useful like number four, number five starter type, but he's just not the kind of difference maker that he was the last time he was acquired by a team making a playoff push when the Royals made that move for him a few years back. So I think we could see Cueto get dealt, but I'm not sure he's necessarily at a stage of his career where he's making a playoff rotation a whole lot better. He might be the kind of guy that goes to the lineup twice in a postseason matchup and then gets pulled for the bullpen to take over. Yeah, obviously a very different story than uh, when he had his stint with the Royals. Uh, but yeah, and it's unfortunate. I thought it would be a, a you know interesting matchup to dissect, but um, you know not even a, a very good start for uh, Arias, at least at the time uh, this this game is in progress. But as of right now, not a very impressive looking line there. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi was not on the slate for Tuesday, but I just noticed something really interesting with him as. You know, I was looking at Arias and Cueto and pitchers who were being really uh, effective at managing contact. Kikuchi is now the last pitcher standing among those who have allowed at least 50 uh, batted balls this year. The last one to not allow a barrel. Pretty impressive. And he strikes me as a really good buy low opportunity because there's there's a lot in his uh, stat profile that's really encouraging. But um, the ERA just doesn't reflect it. No, he hasn't allowed a home run yet this season either. So... Uh, if you're looking for other things that are encouraging for a guy with inflated ratios, I think that 
which certainly uh, ticked the boxes. And the K rate is still up. I mean, we talked about them, I think, back during the original spring training in March. We saw strikeouts then, and we've seen strikeouts through his first four starts this season, 21 Ks in just 20 innings so far. Yep, so uh, something to look into. And a couple of stars who did uh, pitch on Tuesday, Tyler Chatwood, we mentioned earlier, poor start uh, against the Tigers, not making it out of the second inning. Another bad start for Chris Paddock. Uh, I mean, Chatwood, I, I think at best you stash him at this point, but what what do we do about Chris Paddock? Paddock, maybe you could justify reserving, but I'm still pretty optimistic about him long-term. Even if I'm dropping him my overall rest of season ranks, I think he's at a level where there are only a handful of matchups where I'd sit him down, maybe sit him down in a road matchup against the Dodgers, obviously consider sitting him in a place like Colorado, but for the most part, I'm still there with Chris Paddock being in my lineup. All right, and just real quickly here on um, Tuesday's show, Michael Beller and I talked about three hitters with surprising storylines. Uh, so I figured we'd even it out with three pitchers. Max Fried, a top 10 starter in terms of roto value. Zach Davies, one spot outside the top 10. And uh, Framper Valdez right behind him at number 12 in roto value. So Fried, Davies, Valdez, who... Uh, out of this group, do you think is legit and and can uh, you know maintain near ace like status? Oh um, man, I think Freed makes sense as a possible ace for a lot of reasons. I think the combination of pitches he brings to the table looks like an ace sort of repertoire. I was concerned about him also being a guy that had a career best walk rate last season. I didn't think that was necessarily going to hold up, and so far I've been really wrong about that. Davies and Valdez, though, I think are both interesting for different reasons. Like you mentioned, the pitch mix being different for Davies, but he's a little bit underrated in any way. If you look at what he's done ratios-wise throughout his career, I think he was underappreciated as a, a fantasy pitcher during his time in Milwaukee. I think people fa- kind of feared those home starts a lot at Miller Park. And now that he's pitching his home games in San Diego, I just think it's a lot easier to throw him out there at least two-thirds of the time. I mean, he doesn't have to come anywhere close to the level he's pitched at thus far to continue being very useful in a wide range of leagues. And then Framber Valdez, I mean, I I like him. I, I think it's probably a little bit of a concern where the wheels could fall off with the control. We saw that in his previous stints in the big leagues, but he's good enough to start at least at home and probably for select road matchups as well. All right, so uh, and he's you know it's not like you can run out and get him in most leagues, but if he is available in your shallower leagues, uh, definitely worth picking up at this point. Uh, so you know, just a interesting note here: Max Fried, uh, Lucas Giolito, and Jack Flaherty, all graduates of Harvard Westlake High School. So good, good year for so far for uh, that high school and those three pitchers. And then finally, here our featured read for the show from Ken Rosenthal: Five clubs that might surprise at the trade deadline, and more news and notes. That deadline is coming up fast, so uh, check out uh, Ken's piece, uh, and you might find some surprising tidbits in there. And that's going to be it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're listening to this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Thursday.